Hi everyone, this is the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya. Thank you so much for listening. This is episode number 44. My podcast is getting closer to having its midlife crisis. Uh, My guest today is the incredibly funny and talented Fred Armisen. Fred was kind enough to have a chat with me before his soundcheck at the Tivoli in Brisbane while he was performing his comedy for musicians but everyone is welcome show. Uh, The show was so good and so funny and so was our chat. I asked him mostly about music because that's what we have in common and I'm sure he's talked to a million different people about Saturday Night Live in Portlandia. Um, So, you know, we talk about Devo a lot and we talk about our mutual friend Stella from Warpaint. So get ready for a little bit of a love fest about those two topics. Uh, Fred's strange show story was illustrated by Courtney Barnett, who was the person who brought Fred and I together. So thank you for that, Court, and also thank you for this incredible illustration. I'm so appreciative you made time for this while you are on tour. Thank you also to Vanessa. As always, you can see illustrations on Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Here we go, episode number 44, Fred Armisen. so much for doing this podcast my pleasure i feel like nobody's really doing podcasts anymore so no it's a lost art we're pioneering this this format yeah for like in 2014 they had a bunch and then they all shut down yeah it's pretty good as a format so it's expensive to run yeah it's really expensive that's you know you have to buy all the microphones and lights and stuff and even though it's sound you still need lighting. You need lighting and you need really good equipment. And also we should plug equipment in general. Yes. So put out a plug for, hey, out there, if you're looking to do stuff, you you know, you want to record, perform, get equipment. Yeah. We're, we're just asking you, get out there, get some equipment. Just get a $2,000 preamp at least. Always. You can't do it without a preamp. Or cables. Expensive yeah, cables. Need- <laughs> so get out there. Get them new and I'll yeah. use stuff out there, but you're not helping the equipment economy by That's getting right. new stuff. Get new stuff. Get to get new stuff. So immediately when I found out that, you know, that you had agreed to do this, there were two things that I immediately wanted to talk to you about. Okay. The first thing is your German heritage. Yes. Because I'm also German. And so immediately I was very excited to talk to you about your German impressions. Uh, happy to talk about it. It's funny that in the sound in this room, some sort of like water thing started yeah, happening. Yeah, there was but a it's pipe. Not, in my head, <laughs> I pictured it as applause, that you mentioned Germany <laughs> and then all these people were like, Woo! Yeah, I, I programmed that. That's actually yeah. my um, my programmed applause. It sounds a bit like a water filter, but it's actually... It, yeah. yeah, it came a, out great. <laughs> great. Um, ja, ich bin ein, ein bisschen deutsch. Um, mein Vater kommt aus Deutschland. Uh-huh. Ostdeutschland. Ostdeutschland. Ja. Mm. Um, und ich habe einen Hauptbruder in, in Deutschland. Ja. Oh, wow. Um, so you're, you'd speak a bit of German? Oh, oh I mean, that, I wasn't trying. Now, now that sounds like I was trying to show off. <laughs> no. That, that, um, no, but my dad 
is German. He was raised in what became East Germany. Yes. And he left before um, uh, the wall went up, like in the early wow. 60s. Yeah. And he is, but he's German, but he is all, he is half German. His right. dad is what we thought was Japanese, but turned out to be Korean. It's crazy. That's crazy. This is World War II. But, uh, but he's raised German. He's a, from the Herbert family. Right. I, I love that your impressions of German just really appeal to my cultural cringe of mm-hmm. Germany. Yeah. Um, uh, I love anyone that makes fun of Germans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am so into any German jokes. What did you, were you raised in Germany at all? Yeah. So I moved to Australia when I was seven mm-hmm. or eight. Uh, my parents are very German, so you know my. What city? We lived in Stuttgart, mm-hmm. and uh, but my whole extended family live up north near the North Sea, sort of like near Hamburg. Oh man, that's great! Yeah, so we go over quite regularly. But I, I, I just, love it there. I, think I it's love it there. Great. I mean, that's why I feel like I love when people make fun of Germans because I love Germany and Germans so much. Yeah. But I also find it so funny that the stereotype is so true. It's so real. And also, they won't ever fight that stereotype. They're like, this is, everything they do is so preset. Yes. And I remember my um, half-brother, I remember one of the first times uh, that I started getting to know him. I didn't grow up with him. Mm. Um, I remember he was showing me photographs on a, on a pile, and they started going out of order, and he had to put them back in order again. Oh, wow. Just sort of like, no, 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 this goes. And then I remember looking up at his cabinets and reaching for a cup. And he's like, no, no, that is a teacup. You can't have that one. It's not that one. It was a different <laughs> one. And then in the days when I was in a band, I think they think they're being honest. Yes. But it's just too honest. It's like, far too honest. Like your group, you're, you're not so good. You're, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yesterday Fugazi had played and uh, there were many people here. Now there's not so many people for you. <laughs> Very, they tell you these facts that you're like, I don't want to know these things. (laughs) (laughs) I have a similar story. My friends of mine went to support Sebado in Germany Mm. and someone came up to them afterwards and said, yeah, it was good, but it was not superior. That's, it's, it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) And And they're smiling. The thing is they're smiling. They're not being mean. They're not like, Mm. you know, I'm here to put you down. It's like this smile and like, here are some facts that you yeah, it was pretty good, but it wasn't great. Yeah. And that this is going to help you become great, maybe? Yes. It's, it it's, was not superior. No. <laughs> that is a teacup. No. No, yeah. not that one. Yeah. <laughs> my, my Uber driver on the way here, was his name is Heiko, mm-hmm. and he was jo- Deutsch. Mm. And he was wearing, he was driving a Volkswagen, mm-hmm. and he was wearing driving gloves. <gasps> and I could not wait to tell you about it. It's almost as if he's he came here. He's like, I'm going to be a German guy. Yeah. And I'm really going to do it up. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do. They really do it up. What do Germans do? They yeah. drive those cars. They wear gloves. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> I could talk about Germany forever, by the way. I know, me I, too. It's like... Me too. I could just talk about it forever. Yeah, like even driving down little streets there, I just, I look at all the buildings, I'm like... Oh, who lives there? Everything is so... It's just nice. It is really nice. I I love it there. 
I don't think I'd like to live there again. Mm -hmm. But I love it there. I haven't had a chance to live there. But it's one of those things where I wish there was a job that was like, hey, I got to live in Berlin for a year. Maybe we should create one together. Yes. What if I am an apologist for all German journalists and I just go up, like when they're telling people about how bad their show was, I'm like, I just show up and go, hey, he's just saying that he loved yes. the show. And that's like, <laughs> that's his way of saying that he loved the show. That's all. That's perfect. I'll play my applause noise when, yeah. while you're doing that. Yes. Perfect. We, we We've got a it. job. Yeah. <laughs> so the second thing that I was really excited to talk to you about was you said once in, in an interview that if you go to like Turkey, why wouldn't you go to the Zildjian factory? Yes. Like you cannot understand why you would go there and not visit the symbol place. Yes. So I have a similar thing with if anyone talks about Asheville or North Carolina, like yeah. did you go to Moog? Did you go to Moog Music? <laughs> why wouldn't you go there? I, well, well, yeah, I'm about to tell you that I agree with you, but I've obviously, I mean, like, uh, it, it's like the first thing on my mind. Me too. I'm like, like why, why wouldn't you? I don't you understand. You went to where they invented symbols. Yeah. It mu there must be like some incredible symbol factories there. That's right. Like, why wouldn't you want to go where the synthesizer was invented? Yeah, that is... I, I I don't know if I'm being snobby when I'm thinking that, but I don't care. I don't care if I'm being snobby. I'm like, come on, you're you're going all that way. How psyched would they be? I'm like, if you're in Turkey and you make symbols, you're like, I expect there to be like a crowd of people and for them to you know have little tours and stuff. I wonder if do you know if they do tours? They definitely do at Moog. They do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've never been to Turkey, so well, I don't know. You, you got to go visit the factory. That's the first place I'd go. <laughs> it's weird because I, I'm like. I feel like telling people we're at the factory, like, do you understand what you've done for rock music? Like, do you understand what a part of it you are? Yeah. That there it, is, it would be nothing. It doesn't, the, the music doesn't exist without symbols. That's right. It just doesn't. Yeah. Devo wouldn't exist without the synthesizer. Oh, please. So. <laughs> That's another whole... Oh, yeah. I'm sure we could talk about Devo for yes. three hours. Three days. Three days. And craft Three work. Months. And <laughs> and also you'd mentioned Abbey Road. Yeah. And there's synthesizer on that. That's like some early That's synthesizer right. stuff. Yeah. The, the early modular, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that. Um, I was listening to Lucky Man by um, Emerson Lake and Palmer oh, yeah. the other day. That, that song wouldn't exist without it. No, it wouldn't. <gasps> oh, it would have an empty. Thank you. <laughs> I think every time this noise comes on, we should go. Woo. Woo! Yeah. So we're doing, by the way, for people who are listening, we're at the Tivoli in Brisbane. Yeah. And so we're backstage. So that those are the sounds that you're hearing. Yeah. There's just a, um, a water pipe that's running. Yeah. Adjacent. Yeah. Um, it's chocolate. It's a chocolate <laughs> pipe. It pumps in. It actually in. sounds really yeah. nice. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you a lot about music and, and when you started getting into music and how you started loving punk rock and, you know, do you, do you have a time when you remember like watching or listening to a band where you're like, that's what I want to do? Was it a punk Yeah, band? there was like, um, there was a time where there's two things I can remember and it's all TV related. Mm. One was that Blondie was on Saturday Night Live and the drummer Clem Burke had like a suit, mm. like a sort of, 
nice jacket, like a matching jacket and sort of like a mod haircut and this really cool drum kit. And there was something about it that was not like the usual rock guy, you know, like, uh, you know, like open shirt and like long flowing hair where I was like, that guy's great. So that was one moment. And then somewhere around there, I saw Devo on a show called Fridays. It was like this Friday night sort of imitation Saturday Night Live show that we had. And they did Girl You Want. And they had the, you know, the those energy hats domes. on, the energy domes. Yeah. And everything about them was like, you know, even as a kid, I always wanted to like, I don't know if you had the same feeling. You even want to like fight against the kids, not just your parents, but you're Absolutely. like, I, you don't want to be like, the same like rock person everyone else is so that was like the kind of that that's what that represented for me that really spoke to me those two right so so before that it was my mainly like metal stuff i i I never fell into um metal right but um i was kind of like beatles okay and then even though this is you know past the time of the beatles but like i guess beatles is always yeah you know part of everyone's life um but they were like in my hometown, it was just like regular rock bands, like Foreigner and Boston, oh, yeah, and like yeah, just yeah. very like normal rock bands. That um, I can't remember how I felt about them. They were just yeah. like those are the albums that were out. So, but that was just like that was in the top forty, and so then when you saw people that didn't look like that, you got excited. Yes, or on rock radio, like we had yeah. FM rock radio, oh, which yeah, is yeah. like bands like Boston and all yeah. that. Not by the way, nothing against those bands, like. If you were talking to me when I was a teenager, I'd be like, I hate those bands. Yeah. But the older I get, the more I'm like, everyone's just bands. Yeah. They're all trying their best. They, sure. You know, I can't be mad at Boston for not no. being punk. It's like they were just trying to make music. Yeah. So how did you then start getting into punk rock? I, it was a very immediate thing where I was like, I really searched for those records. And they, were, they weren't difficult to find. But I remember I bought a Blondie record and a Ramones record, End of the Century, and then it's 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 like it was like a wall breaking down and there was like a flood. I just went crazy. Anything I could get my hands on, Sex Pistols, um, The Clash. Uh, and then it got as oh, I had this friend, Kenny, uh, who got me into even harder stuff like hardcore punk and the Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. So it went it just it was an avalanche of the sort of accepted new wavy bands into like hardcore punk. And I still loved all of it at the same time. I wasn't wow. like, this is too light for me or anything like that. It, I, I fell more into it. So when you were liking these bands, were you imagining yourself being a drummer or being like Clem Burke? Yes. So you immediately were like, that's, that's the direction I want to take. I want to be a drummer. You weren't thinking I want to be like Sid or... Um, no, except David Byrne. Oh, yeah. I, I Sometimes with David Byrne... I went to go see them. I was I was really young. I didn't even go with my friend. My parents took me to go and they dropped me off. I remember wanting to be like David Byrne a little bit. Just I just liked his approach to everything. Yeah. Um then with my friends, like we started getting into a lot of British bands, like the specials, the damned. Um, it just it just kept going. Yeah. I remember seeing The Damned for the first time when I was I was wasn't allowed to watch TV when I was young cuz I went to a Steiner school and it, there was a very big policy on no television for children. Mm-hmm. And um but I used to go over to my best friend's house and we used to watch The Young Ones. Mm-hmm. And The Damned were one of the musical guests on oh, The yeah. Young Ones. They did Video Nasty on that, yeah. I think. 
And I remember watching it going, oh my God. Yeah. Every, actually every band that guested on The Young Ones, I was like, oh my God, what is this? That was great. I think yeah. Rat put like drumsticks in his mouth oh, and like man. was trying to do like a vampire. <laughs> That's right. Um, who else? Who are the other musical guests? Um, Dexy's Midnight Runners. Yeah. Motorhead. Oh, that's right. Um, I can't remember the other. Well, they had a couple of bands that were like Alexi Sale led mm-hmm. bands, right? Yeah, I don't. I just remember being like that was life changing for me. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I found out about punk rock. I didn't really understand what it was until I watched The Young Ones. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way in. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny how the power of TV and oh, also yeah. the power of like the visuals of punk. That it's not just like the music. That Definitely. it's like you need to see what that what it looks like. Yeah. Definitely. And I remember coming home saying, Mom, you're such a fascist. <laughs> I just like, didn't know what it meant. <laughs> she was like, I was like, that is a punk rock thing to say. Yeah. But she was also like, be careful what you say. <laughs> she was like, Was is dust, darling. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, Yeah, so what? <laughs> That's my driving glove. I have been told this before. The punk rock groups you listen to, they're not so good. The Damned are not so good. Um, they are better groups. They are not superior. They're not superior, no. <laughs> the Undertones played uh, a week ago. They had many more people there than The Damned. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. What about when you started playing drums? Were you immediately in a band? Or how did you... Yeah, with my with my friends. Um, yeah. What was your um, first band's name? Kid The KGB. Oh, such a good name yeah normally first band names uh that i ask about are always dick related oh wow so that's pretty good but ours was like very Im- you know imitation punk rock like you know yeah. mdc's and we yeah. were just like the kgb that's a really good um, name and um um i had timbales i wanted to be like i wanted to be like bow wow wow, wow. Bow, wow, wow. and uh I loved it. It was great. We played around a little bit and, you know, it was just like typical American hardcore. That's so good. Yeah. Did you ever, so this is something I can only equate to my experience on stage where I'm sort of trapped behind a synthesizer. Did you ever get jealous of the other guys in the band being able to move around and being able to interact with the audience and you were sort of stuck behind the kit? No, because it, it there's a way like, I liked attention so much that there's a way to play the drums where you're getting attention anyway. Like sure. the fact that you're like, oh, the cymbals are going and your hands are going so much that it is kind of like juggling or something in the yeah, back yeah, yeah. where you do make a spectacle out of it. Sure. It's easier to look cooler on drums than it is behind a synthesizer, I think. Don't let anyone tell you that. <laughs> What's really I don't believe to- that for a minute. <laughs> I remember once I uh, was playing synthesizer and then I would play bass on one song Mm -hmm. and the first time I did it I was like this is it this is going to be the moment where I'm out from behind the thing yeah and as soon as I started playing the song uh the strap came off the bass and I had to sit down (laughs) it life taught you a lesson also the bass taught you a lesson bass was like you think you could just strap me on and like I'm just gonna stand there no no it's like a horse like you have to like you can't just like jump on a horse a horse will knock you off yeah it knew yeah the bass was like no no be ready (laughs) but some people have made synths work well on stage i think that like devo definitely did oh yeah have you ever seen Kraftwerk play yes but i saw them i saw them when they were just with laptops really yeah that yeah which is great which is great yeah but I couldn't stop imagining them just playing like Minesweeper or something. Oh, 
If they did, I would, I would respect it so much. Me too. Or if they were like returning emails. Yeah. God, good for them. Just playing a show. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going well. But yeah, Devo. I but I guess they they did they had a few keytars back in the day. But um. Did they? Yeah. Oh. They definitely had the. There was movement. one. There's one picture of them where all, they all have keytars mm. on. Um. I saw fish. I don't know if you did. You guys get fishbone here? Yeah, we did. Yeah. There was. They had a cool keyboard thing where their. I remember one of their keyboards would spin around, so oh the guy gosh. would like sort of run around, which looked pretty cool. Maybe I need to look into that. Yeah. I don't know if I could pull that off. Actually. <laughs> Too late. Now you said it, and now it's gonna happen. <laughs> now you have to do it. <laughs> so Devo. <laughs> yeah. You got to play with Devo. Yeah. Can you tell me about that? It was, um, o- over the years I became friendly with Mark, yeah. the singer, which is like m- my life, you know, these things happening is it every day. I just can't believe it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's crazy that I l- used to love them so much. And then in life, somehow they're in my life. So um, crazy. and, um, it, it was uh, for a festival that I had bought tickets for because the damned were playing. Devo one night, the damned the other. And then Mark was like, do you want to take the Devo challenge and play with the band? And I thought he meant, do you want to play one song? And yeah. I was like, yeah. But over the course of texting, I was like, oh, I think he means the whole set. And it was great. I mean, I, I knew the songs without even thinking. You know, I, I was like, of course... I, I learned how to play drums to a lot yeah. of the songs. Um, and it was, the whole thing was a dream. And I also, although I couldn't really um, like enjoy it for like, cause it's not a jam session. The songs are so precise and very German, <laughs> even though they're not German, there is something very like, it's not whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a very like every part, the, the, there are definite parts of the song. Absolutely. And so I just wanted to get it right. Yeah, I just wanted to get it right. And people are recording on their phones Holy and stuff. I'm Lord. like, I am not, I cannot sit back and go, man, this is great. Yeah. You couldn't enjoy Rock it. Rock out. <laughs> but it's good that I didn't enjoy it. I like <laughs> not enjoying things. Like when I, when I wrote on Saturday night live, my office was very, um, it had no windows and it was very like not celebratory. It wasn't like, Hey, a bunch of pictures. I just yeah. kept it pretty simple because I enjoyed not enjoying it. I was like, let me work and really work on these yeah. sketches and, and just keep it working. No distractions. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm thankful that the Devo thing was like that, that the Devo yeah. show was like, oh, like, let me get this right. And it was it was a style of drumming that I don't really do or, or like uh, the tuning of my drums. I had to tune them way oh, down. And yeah. so it sounded like Alan. So every, Yeah, everything was like... Not the way I usually do things, but yeah. I wanted to get it right. So I was, it was like doing an impression of someone. Oh my God. It wasn't like, hey, I'm going to put my spin on Devo songs. I did it like, I mean, let me get this right for everyone. Yeah. But everything felt great as soon as I looked out into the crowd. Devo fans love Devo, like in a way that they're dressed up as them. Yeah. People are wearing hazmat suits. Oh, everything. Yeah. The hats, <laughs> yeah. everything. It's, it was great. I, um, I was lucky enough to support Devo in the band that I play in. Yay! Yay. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, this band that I played in, Regurgitator, supported yeah. Devo on the Australian tour in 2008. And it was with our mutual friend Stella. So she oh. was playing drums in the band at that time because the usual drummer was having a baby. And it was honestly the best two weeks of our entire lives. Stella and I talk about it all the time. So you did it as a tour? We did it as an Australian tour. We did all the capital cities. And in the last, uh, the last show, um, Bob asked me if um, we wanted to come and sing some backing vocals to Beautiful World. And I was trying so hard to to be like nonchalant like, oh, I, he's like do you know that song i was like yeah yeah <laughs> so you did it so we did it and it was amazing and mark did it as boogie boy yeah and um he had a bum bag on with lots of little um little bouncy balls have uh-huh. you seen him do that no and he would take a handful of bouncy balls and he'd bounce them on the stage and they'd go into the audience and everyone would freak out and um he turned around to, to Stella and I and, and he said, Stella, say ya, reach into my sack. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that all the time. <laughs> and then what's the what's the vocal part? Is it like is it's it way at the, the end? It's a beautiful it's, Yeah, it's word. just that bit. Yeah. Oh great. Just the chorus. So you have yeah. a, a similar experience. But I feel like we were able to enjoy it because we were just singing the chorus, you know? Yeah. It, and it was just one song. I didn't mean like I didn't. No, I know. You know what I mean. I mean, it just there was no pressure on us to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, we were just so excited. And you're with Stella. (laughs) And I was with Stella. Before we started recording this, we're talking about how much we love Stella. Oh my gosh. This is super person. She is. So this is the drummer from Warpaint, who I've had on this podcast. I don't believe you, but okay. Yeah. I don't mean I don't. I don't think they've been on. No, I don't know her that well. No, um, yeah, she's the best. And what a fantastic drummer. Great drummer, great person. So funny. So funny. Yeah. Speaking of, of drummers that are drumming around now, who are some drummers that you're super impressed with in bands that are around now? And Well, I'll count like the last 10 years sure. as around now, but there's this drummer, Zach Hill, um, who's originally from Nevada City in, in California. And... Um, he um he played most recently with Death Grips or plays oh, yeah. with Death Grips and he's just like this he's an insane drummer like he's so crazy that when i first heard him i didn't understand what he was doing i was like i think this guy's just like i think he's just like playing over everything and and he, he doesn't he's played with Marty Stern and it was so busy and so crazy that i was like i think he's just goofing around and then i was like oh no and I actually thought of him as someone who's like reinvented how to play a drum kit. It sounds amazing. That's great. Stella's great. great. Yeah. Um, the kind Grizzly Bear is really good. Oh yeah, so good. Those are the one main ones I can think of now. Yeah, I mean, I I look at the drummer a lot in a band because it's something that I can't imagine being good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and but ones that immediately come to mind. I I apologize that I don't remember the name of this guy, but he used to play in Preston School of Industry. Have you ever seen that? That's um, Spiral no. Stairs from Pavement's band. Oh, no. And he would he would get up, like he'd get on his feet to do the tom rolls. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, so, and then he would like sort of get back, sit down again. And, and it was almost like you never knew if he was going to fall off his seat. Mm. It was really exciting. So this is a live experience yes. you're talking about. Yeah. He would always stand up to do tom rolls and then get back on his seat and go, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
But then how did he keep the beat going with his oh, feet? Oh, I can't even. I don't know. He was just fantastic. Wow. He was amazing. I want to talk to you about your letters with John Waters. Oh, yeah. When you were young, you were pen pals with him. Yeah. You, you reached out to him to talk about the end of the world. I did. Well, I, it's, I, um, in, when I was in eighth grade, I don't know what grade that would be here, but I, whatever. Whatever. Junior high school. Yeah. Um, we had this assignment. And this is around that sort of same time that I was seeing those bands on TV. Um, and I got this assignment that was like, what would you do if it was your last day on earth? And I don't know how I knew, but people around me were like, oh, I'd visit, you know, they would talk about how they'd visit their family and their grandmother. And I was like, gross. Gross. <laughs> I was like, no, I would destroy everything. I would, <laughs> I remember writing that I would set everything on fire and smash in store windows. And I, I thought, I don't know. I just thought it was like fun or funny or whatever that, adolescent feeling is but it's like come on that's yeah. what we're here for no one will care it's no it's, it's the end you just destroy things and i got sent to the school psychologist which wow. is very like scary at the time because it's someone being very serious with you about like your mental health and i remember i had to take tests all day oh my and gosh. it was just very like i felt kind of punished and then by coincidence i heard this interview with john waters on a radio station and he was talking about shocking people and being and which is one of the reasons like sometimes if i'm asked to do like a radio interview i'm like you never know you know like it changed my life yeah because i felt alone and i was like you know sort of as soon as i heard him do this interview i went to the bookstore i bought his book shock value that's all about shocking people and being a weirdo and i read it like like a bible i was just read it found his address I'll make this story really quick, how I found his address. He said that he always stays over Cookie Mueller's house when he's in New York. I went to the white pages, found her number, called her. Oh, my gosh. And then she wrote to me and gave me his address. I wrote to him, and I told him my whole experience. And he wrote me back this postcard that was like, don't worry. It was very, like, soothing. It was like you know, I'm paraphrasing, but saying like, you can do it and you can be a weirdo and still make a living at it. And it really like saved my life. Like he didn't have to do that. Did you have some back and forths after that? Oh, a ton. Do you have them all? Oh the yeah. I think I've got just about everything. And then uh, uh, we met a bunch of times afterwards wow. and, oh yeah, yeah, no, it became, it became a friendship. Oh yes. Yes. I mean, when I was in my teens and through my twenties, it was more just pen pals, but yeah. Oh, he'd write me a Christmas card or oh. if he would do stand up once in a while or whatever. He'd spoken word and yeah. I'd go meet him. But then more recently, I got to know him a little more. That's so lovely. Oh, yeah. I thank, I've thanked him so much because I think just giving so, someone young like a, even like a light bulb of like, don't worry, you go, go this direction, you'll be OK. And then he took me seriously. That's important. He didn't write a card that was like, keep on rocking or like hey drive him crazy yeah. <laughs> he said this really specific thing which was like don't don't be shocking just to be shocking mm. it has to have like a point and so you had a lot of letters i know you you talked about one in your stand-up your netflix stand-up special what were the other letters like were they always encouraging were they about movies or about yes and about um show business because it wasn't just 
be weird. It was like, here's what show business looks like. Here's what it is. And then over the years, as people died, he would sort of say, hey, I want to let you know. Because this was pre-internet and also pre-days when, you know, this stuff would be in the paper. Yeah. But when Edith, one of the actresses, Edith Massey, died, things like that. And just like little little tidbits. Amazing. Yeah. Has anyone ever reached out to you in a similar way? Yes. And I've tried my best to to stay in touch. I can't say that, like, I've been able to answer everyone. Mm. But it's when people meet me in person that I try my best to say, you know. So if I do, like, a stand-up show and someone, when someone really young is, like, expresses the same kind of thing i always try to be encouraging what a beautiful life lesson he gave you then he really did a really it's also like a good life lesson on how to be and how to be an artist and how to be someone who makes stuff and absolutely always pass it on and you know absolutely yeah i remember when i was young um my best friend was a really massive yola tango fan yeah and her boyfriend wrote to them and said it would just make her life if you could write her a birthday card. And they did. And it was so lovely. I think it said something like, um, you know, it seems like only yesterday we first heard your name and now you're 15. (laughs) (laughs) And it meant so much to her. And I think... I think from that point on, I always thought it's so important to to just make an effort. That would have only taken them five minutes. And it was absolutely just so meaningful. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Every, so every time I've waited for a rock star, like when I was a kid, and they were friendly to me, I'll, I'll, I remember every nuance, every movement, you know, everything yeah. they said. I remembered it all. Yeah. And the ones who were unfriendly, I remember that too, to this day where I'm like, hmm, that's an yeah. unfriendly person. One thing that John, I'll call him John for John Waters. Sure. Um, one thing we were talking about is people stopping him in the street to talk to him or to take pictures and he says he's always friendly but he's never like i'm busy and he's like the way he described it is like those are your customers Mm -hmm. so i always remember that too they're your customers those are your customers because i'm all about the money yeah and my whole thing is like how can i monetize what i do how can i monetize you yes i see numbers when i see people I immediately put like a price tag. I'm like, oh, me this too. is a hundred dollars. Yeah, me this too. This is three hundred dollars. Yeah, and you don't want to blow that opportunity for three hundred bucks. It goes in my wallet. Yeah, and if I see someone, it looks like it's a dollar. I'm like, keep moving. Yeah, I don't have time for you. I do not have time for you. I don't have time for your dollar. Yeah, Pe- people are money. I've always people said are that. always money. Yeah, yeah. If I'm on a plane, I'm like, all these people are money. Some are, some yeah. are money to me. Yeah. I, I love my bank account being full. Me too. It's such a good ex- experience because, yeah. you know, I mean, full up. Because sometimes my bank is like, we ha- we have too much. You're good right now. Like, yep. don't, please don't add to this because no. it's more than we can keep here. Yeah. Then I feel great. I'm like, great. And they're yeah, like, my, they thank yeah. me and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's when you can be rude to people. If then, you're full. oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um. So how would you spend your last day on earth now? Well... My life is like such a dream life. It's like, it's, my life somehow became everything I dreamed of. Like, you know, being on Saturday Night Live, a show that I always watched. That's where I saw Blondie, you know. To be on that show, uh, what a dream. It seems crazy. If I wrote it as a kid, I'd be like, what? And then Portlandia is like, 
I worked with my favorite band. Worked with Carrie. Yeah. The, the insanity of that, of like working with with her, and then she's my best friend, and then we're doing a show together. So then, everything I keep dreaming up keeps happening. Like, I'm gonna do a special on drums, and uh, it's gonna be comedy. Really specific jokes. Netflix puts it out, and then a couple months ago, I was like, I want to go to. You know what? I I really want to go to Australia. <laughs> Boom! Here I am. And it sounds, I mean, it sounds like a joke, but I I am being honest when I say like all of this stuff is like all the stuff of my dreams. Oh, that's so, so nice. I'm, I feel it's almost scary, feeling this gratified. That's like so it's a nice. Very strange feeling of like, this is great. I'm good. You know, yeah. this is what I wanted it to look like. This is what it looks like. All of my experiences are very heightened. I get to do weird, crazy TV shows one after the next. Just whims that are like all of a sudden a TV show. Working with my heroes and friends. I still get to play music. It's insane. So your last day would just be a normal day. My last day... What I would like to do for my last day, and this is more of a, uh, this part I'm going to make, it's a joke. I'll say that in advance, <laughs> but this is going to be good. My last day is going to be in line at the post office. And it's just a long line. And it's so long that I've got to like go back to a different line to pick up a package. <laughs> and then I've got to go back to another line to like fill out this one form. That's my last day. Why? I was trying to think of something like not it. the opposite of precious, sure. like you know, yeah. eating e- eating chocolate cake by a river. <laughs> None of that. I, I, I'm gonna try to make it as like opposite of the perf- most perfect last yeah. day. Yeah. You know. That's like the grown-up version of I'll destroy everything. Is like, yes. I'll be very calm in this line. Yes, and because you know that thing where like you. Because you're trying to be responsible and respectful, you wait in two different lines. You're like, yeah. they told me I've got to go to this other one. I'm a little nervous about if I filled out the right part of this. Yeah. And then you actually do spend like an hour. Yeah. It happens with travel all the time. Yeah. Like, well, this is non-resident passport. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I love that you talk about not getting performance anxiety because there's so many people that are performers that have issues around performance. Mm-hmm. Have you always, did you ever get performance anxiety in a, when you were playing in a band? Like when you first started playing music? Um, oh, that's a good question. I can't remember. I don't think so. But um, when I was in my 20s, there was another thing I was trying to prove. And this is like not a good thing. Or maybe this is common for being in your 20s. It was very athletic. How fast can I play? Mm-hmm. How busy can I make everything? Everything was so busy that I didn't... I wish I made music that deserved anxiety of like, I hope they like these songs. It was always like, you know, I'm going to hit all those notes. I'm going to hit... You know, this, this is going to be fast. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a fast show. Yeah. And we're going right into the next song. And then, you know, it was so that there's no room for anxiety. Yeah. It's Did this you have other a double thing. kick? I didn't. Have you ever? When I played for Blue Man Group, there was a double kick. I love that you played for Blue Man Group. Yeah, in, in Chicago. <laughs> um, but there were parts of the show that had some double kick parts to it. But I'm not good at, you know, like syncopated, like da-da-da-da-da. I can't do an even thing. 
those were for like flurries of mm. things that were happening. Do you think that you've done so much improvisation in comedy over the years? Do you think that improvisation in comedy and instrument improvisation go hand in hand or do you think they're completely different? This is another very long discussion because I've been discussing music improvisation with Jim O'Rourke. Do you know who oh, Jim O'Rourke yeah. is? He lives in Japan now. And I'm going to let him, I, like, I can't speak for him, but he had a really good point about the pitfalls of music improvisation. He'll have a better way of putting this, but just that, I'll say that the, as a generalization, that it would be good for musicians to um, embrace the fact that they're musicians and to play their instrument at the best, to the best of their ability. And for me, I, sometimes music improvisation sounds like music improvisation, you know? Yes. Like it's, you hear like, you know, like a metal stick on a guitar and, sure. and, and some people do it great. Yes. But it's a go-to for a lot of people. I'm not criticizing anyone. No, I know what you mean. I'm not criticizing anyone. I'm just saying that like it's another whole discussion. So yes. I promise you, I'm not saying good or bad at whoever, however people play music is great, but um, comedy also can suffer from it in that people have the same go-tos when improvising, that there's a language to it that sometimes people can fall into. And that's okay too, but they both suffer in the same ways. Okay, that's an interesting answer. It's a long answer. It's almost like I didn't answer, but... <laughs> Uh, but my short answer is yes, there are similarities and that's positive and negative. Yeah. I'm interested in, in similarities between music and comedy. Yeah. Um, you've done both for such a long time. And I always like to ask people about how they deal with criticism. And I, I'm sort of interested in, is music criticism different to comedic criticism? Like if, if you're getting a review do you deal with the same issues or the same insecurities as you would if you put out an album or? Well, when I've read music criticism growing up, I always hated it. Mm. I always hated it. I, I Something about it, especially when they gave a bad review to a band I loved. Yeah. I really couldn't, I really thought like, who's this guy? Like, what does he know? What? Oh, that's the fun of, that's why I like that band. Yeah. It's, you know. Um, and also, do you remember when Lou Reed put out that album that with, um, was it with Metallica? Yeah. And all these critics like. Everyone like, now, hated it. I'm like, now he's dead. So now what are you guys going to do? Like, <laughs> we were lucky to have him around. That like, like that was his muse. What do you want from him? Like, yeah. did he not create enough good content for you that you've got a problem? You should be. You know, giving him a standing ovation, going, "Hey, he made an album with Metallica," or don't say anything. Yeah, um, he really tried to do something creative, and you're shitting on it. Yeah, what, yeah. All of a sudden, now you've got like a, a problem. <laughs> um, so that that's always been my relationship with. It. As far as I'm concerned, with with stuff that I do, this is going to sound very corny because I came from a band that let, let's say failed, and for what I wanted, we, I wanted us to be a famous band. Yeah. Because of that. I could care less. I've so, the things I've achieved from, from my goals, I've exceeded them so much. To have, to have made it onto Saturday Night Live when I did, after having been in a band, if, if someone's criticizing me, I could care less. I'm like, th that's the price? Fine by me. Knock yourself out. Like, 
that's what, that, if that's what what your job is, like you criticize comedians and stuff and or content or TV shows, please go have a field day. I really am well, I feel really, really good about my life and what I've done that I, I can't deal. And then now looking back, if someone criticized early Portlandia, I'm like, yeah, but we did eight seasons. So people really liked it. Yeah, people liked it. Um, you know, what do you want from me? Yeah, it's like a um a courtroom scenario. Like, it, how many people say they don't like something? One, yeah, and then the rest of the, you know, the rest of the court say they love it. So who are you going to believe? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, but so that's interesting. So, but I wonder if you were in a band now and you didn't have the comedy stuff, how you would feel about criticism if you hadn't reached the point where you wanted to get. I have no way of knowing. Yeah. Also because um, I'm not in a position to be making serious music. I just, that's not my lot in life. And I think I could do it for parody or for some little themes and things, but I I don't have the urge to make serious music. So I, I don't know what, what, mm. what that would be like. What about serious films? No, that's not for me. No? Why? Because cause I'm a comedian. I'm, yeah. I'm happy being a comedian. I'm, it's like hard enough and and it's it's enough of an achievement that people have said to me uh you know you do comedy we like your comedy yes i don't want to turn around to the customers and go actually i'm actually this yeah it's like no we're this is what they hired me for sure can't believe i'm talking about money like this i know it's (laughs) It's weird but it's also like (laughs) but it's also like what am i trying to prove why is there this other thing yeah that i need to prove to people like this is what i enjoy sure no, you're very lucky and you yeah. found something that you almost sort of fell into. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah. Not many people are that sort of lucky that, you know, they pull they pull a job out of thin air kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's, it's amazing. So Do you know any other musicians that you think could have a career in comedy? Apart from Carrie? Many. Really? There are many like musicians I've met along the way that have like like a heightened sense of humor and comedy that I just know that like if they applied themselves enough to do it, they would, they would do great. Jeff Tweedy is one of them. Oh yeah. That's a funny person. Really, really funny. He's absolutely funny. And I loved his, his Portlandia skit was so funny. He was great. We had him in the writer's room too. Oh, did you? Yeah. Just as a sort of, we just wanted to hear him talk. Yeah. Did he come up with any of that skit? Uh, no, not that skit. It was, oh, a different I, think it was, skit. I think it was for something else. Oh, okay. I can't remember what it was, but we just, I think we just wanted not to have just a regular comedy writer in the room. Yeah. That's and perfect. He, I find him really, really funny. Oh, he's, And his yeah. stage banter is incredible. Yes. Uh, Amy Mann is really funny. Um, I think that Beck has a really good angle on the world, like the way he sees it. That's cool. Um, I'd like to see him do some funny stuff. Some of it's in his videos a little bit. Yeah, you can yeah, see totally, it yeah. a little bit. But Carrie, of course, I mean, she's a comedy genius. Yeah. You know, Stella. Yeah. Stella's. Oh, my God. She's very funny. <laughs> she's so funny. This, I want this her whole, to have a show. This whole podcast is about how great we think Stella is. <laughs> I told her that that might be the case. <laughs> and I, I was saying before we started recording that, like, I... When I'd never been to Australia before, I was I was like, "Oh, is everyone in Australia special like this?" Which I thought. And. 
What's the consensus? Well, people are pretty special here. Yeah. She's really special, though. Yeah. <laughs> she is, though. I know she is. She's also like, I think she started building a recording studio out in the desert in I've the States. And I'm like, it's so good. Is it? I went to, well, I was, I went to visit her when it, she was just building it. But the space is great. Can you imagine? It's so good. That's what she's doing. Yeah. Yeah, That's I've, what she's doing with her you time. You gotta go visit. It's beautiful. And we went out and looked at the stars in the middle of the night. We got a little blanket and a um, what's it called? Like black light to check <laughs> for scorpions. And we walked right into a rattlesnake. <laughs> it was. It's a crazy part of the world. I don't want to go there. No, you should go. It's actually rattlesnake. Nice. No, yeah. I don't want. Also, scorpions. You oh you God. lost me at scorpions there. <laughs> Um, do you have any synth jokes in your show? No, I, I don't. Do you think it's a hard instrument to make jokes? Yes, because about? I think people have too many go-tos about synth jokes. Like there's a lot of guitar stuff in, um, when people parody the, the 80s and stuff. And I just don't have an angle. I don't have a way in. Mm. Like I, I talk about horn players um, or in this newest thing, like string players, bass is kind of also hard to make fun of just because yeah. it's such a weird instrument that like, what can I really say? You can use my strap story. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that basses are like horses. Yes. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> um, can you give me a synth? I don't know. A, a good I don't synth know. Synth. I was going to call my first album Synth and Synthability. <laughs> and then I got talked out of it because we were <laughs> like, that's so stupid. Why would you let anyone talk you out of something? <laughs> also, I also people really saying funny. something like, that's so stupid is, is like, that's your cue to go like, yeah. great, I'll do it then. But uh, yeah, man, um, synth, synth joke. Yeah, it's God, tough. I can't, I can't think of one. I've just got Synth and Synthability. That. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you need. But I can't take your joke. No, you can have it. How about this? Where this is what this is less of a synth joke, more of a keyboard joke, but it's like in the 1700s, who was the equivalent of a synthesizer player? Like oh, who that's was like really good. who's someone who like they were like, oh, guess what? Guess what they're bringing? Like washboard. Washboard. Could it be harpsichord? Because a synth now is like kind of like the trade is that like it's it's cool like i'm actually a synth player right yeah so like back then where they're like um yeah I'm, i like because i play harpsichord so i'm like <laughs> so i brought my harpsichord and yeah it. brought my harp yeah when were they invented harpsichords when were they invented yeah uh 1713 was the first iteration oh yeah okay wait no no 1714 1710 the patent but they didn't they oh, okay. pre-patented it before was it who, Austria? Who was it again? Johann Franzulich. Franzulich, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's Am I it. wrong? I think, I, I think that's he right. He patented, but it was his school. It's like some weird thing where like the university invented it as a sub for a piano. Right. And then he patented it, but then something. Yeah, I think you're right. And it's not the clavichord. Like the clavichord... That's a different instrument. Mm. A lot of people go, no, it's just 1600s. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. You can't. That's 1710. A different instrument. 
Seventeen ten is about yeah, in there. I yeah. think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you find it hard to understand people that don't like music? Yes. Me too. I bumped into someone recently who I was trying to name drop about a musician. This is in LA. Mm. And I could tell he was not, it didn't register with him. Who were you trying to name drop? Uh, someone from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, okay. Um, not Tom Petty. Not Tom Petty. From but, Tom Petty. <laughs> but just saying that like, hey, this is... And his reaction was like, yeah, I think he said something to the tune of like, oh, music's great. Or oh, something no. like, music's important. Where a real music person would have said like, oh, I'm not familiar with that. Or there was something about his like, it was like someone talking about sports. Like, sports are important. <laughs> so the lightness in which he took music, it... Is always weird for me. What did you say? Oh, nothing. I, I was just like, oh, he doesn't speak this language. Yeah. I find it really hard to understand when someone, because it means so much to me. And I've spent my whole life being a fan of music and, and seeking things out and playing music. And I, I get so much of my life's joy out of music. Don't get me started. That it's so hard to understand it's when people don't care. They're like, oh, I just listen to the radio. Yeah. Like, yeah, but what specifically is on the radio that you like? Or if they don't have an album that changed their life. I'm yeah. like, you don't have an album that just ch changed your life? I spoke to someone once who said, who admitted to like not knowing a lot about, or like, but like they were like, I like good singers though. Oh. Which is okay. I mean. That's fine. But who specifically? <laughs> who, who's the person? No, I want to know who they think has a good voice. Oh, I think they just meant pop singers and right. stuff. But it is really strange to me. Yeah. I agree. It's but good singers is such a subjective thing. I think they were just admitting that they, they like yeah. they can hear good singing and that's what oh. affects them, but that's it. Yeah. But people also like, I mean, this is, okay, this is going a little too deep, but also when people like don't know the order of like the Beatle albums and what, oh, like yeah. what came out when or like, oh, like is that 70s? And I'm like, no. They were only together yeah. like this many. Yeah. You, how do you not know what the order they come in? I mean, I don't even have to think about it. But that's like a separate, that's like a separate thing. Yeah. But that's, I think, think that's the difference is when you're a music fan, you remember the album order of things. Yeah. And this song comes after this song. And, oh, this is after so-and-so left. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Or, or what people, even bands I don't like, I feel like I, it's my business to just like at least know who was in the band or like yeah. who quit or like. Absolutely. It's like, it's so strange to me to like not have, a, have that somewhere in the back of your head, you know? Yeah. Do you get emotional when you hear music? Like is that, how oh, do you relate? Yes. Yeah. Do you ever get teary or, or like a severe feeling of emotion? In sometimes on planes, which I guess is pretty common, mm. but um. I'll hear something and something will just hit me the right way. Yeah. Do you remember the last thing that did that? Every time I hear, for some reason, El Perro Del Mar, the oh, Swedish artist. I love that. Yeah. Is it Change of Heart? That song? No, there's a song. Um, I love that song. How Did We Forget, I think it's called. Oh. And it's maybe on her third album or so. She's amazing. Oh, she's yeah. great. And there's something that will like, that really does it for me. And then um, if I'm driving, there's this band Real Estate. Oh, yeah. From, from the States. And sometimes I'm, I'm in L.A. and the, the sun's going down and the lights are very twinkly. And I'm 
you know, just driving around and, and I'll hear them and I get a little emotional. Just the jangly guitar of that band? Yeah, there's something a little dreamy that kind of sends me somewhere yeah but those two really do it for me oh wow yeah i get really teary whenever i hear jealous guy oh man i can't even listen to that song without getting really emotional yeah oh i um i get it the piano bit even just yeah that's so good (laughs) number nine dream does that for me anything that's kind of like yeah swirly like that oh yeah is who's your favorite beetle for me, it's it's Paul because of um, you know him, <laughs> my buddy. <laughs> For me, it's Paul because of um, because of Ram, just because like Paul McCartney. I love how he reinvented himself. That mm-hmm. he shed that band and was like, "I'm starting right at the beginning." Yeah, and I love that he just plays the bass and get gets out there. Like he had every opportunity to become some crooner or something yeah. and like he just keeps going and like ram is just a masterpiece yeah and band on the run is an album i listen to all the time 1985 oh is what what kind of a song is that that's it's, why did he why did he create that song it's such a good song what was going on that he's like no this is the new song yeah. i'm putting on this album what i know that that's kick such, drum that's such a good song it, it comes from another planet. And I remember hearing, and I probably only found out about this later in life, but the first time I heard Temporary Secretary, I freaked out. Yeah. And I remember playing it to my friends going, guess who this is? Yeah. And everyone was like, oh, it's, you know, some new band. Yeah. Nope. No. No. It's <laughs> such a great sound. Paul McCartney. Yeah. Doing this insane. That loop. Oh, my God. So, so good. So inspirational. Yeah. I feel like I've kept you quite, yeah. quite a while. Quite I mean, a while. I'm so sorry. I was, just for people listening, I was trying to walk down the hallway. <laughs> My family is here and they're dying. They're on two deathbeds. I'm trying to walk to them. And so she stops me to talk to me. And she says, she said, I promise this will be seven minutes. Yeah. This is longer than seven minutes. It's only just. I don't know. I mean, but to be fair, you were like, you're a customer. I'll you're do a customer. this for you. You are, <laughs> you are Australian dollar signs to me. Yeah, our dollar isn't great. Don't, but, don't ever say that. But, it uh, is great. You know what? It's my favorite dollar. Really? I don't believe you. I'm telling you. <laughs> I don't like people putting down the Australian dollar. It is beautiful. Thanks for saying that. I, it means a lot. Good. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you my final question, which is the question that I ask everyone. Yeah. Tell me your strangest show experience um well you um when i was in a a band when i was in trench mouth Mm -hmm. we toured we did like one tour of europe and we played mostly italy we had we were on this label in italy but we played like two extra shows like in uh like somewhere in, in in southern germany but then in in what was east berlin but then in berlin yeah but at a squat so I barely understood what a squat was, but it's like they took over this building. There's no electricity. There's generators. But um, the hallways were lit with torches, like um, uh, lit by kerosene. Wow. So everything smelled like kerosene. And it was very unglamorous. I was like, what is this? 
they fed us like what looked like a feast in the dark but i'm now looking back i'm like i think this was stolen food like oh, found wow. food from beans and stuff yeah just <laughs> i was like wow they had a really big spread but i was like no i think they found all, but it was a but i don't mean to be not sound <laughs> thankful but then when we played we're playing and in the crowd a guy went to the middle and he had two chains or maybe two ropes or cables with balls at the end of that were on fire. Whoa. Like a, like an act, like a street act. So he was sort of trying to get into the act or he, that's just what he did. This is indoors. And that was, and it, you know, sort of created a big space. So he was in the middle and he's just rolling <laughs> these fire things. And that to me is like my memory of like the strangest. <laughs> he wasn't there to see us. We, you know. He stole the show. He stole the show. He stole the show. Why? Why? Also, <laughs> what kind of entertainment is that? I spin fire. And no, nobody's like, hey, that was a great fire thing yeah. I saw. Everyone just like wants to get out of the way. He didn't do anything like it went under his leg and then it spun. It, it was just simple circles. <laughs> that was his act. I love that. <laughs> and how long did he do it for? I think the equivalent of a half a song or something like enough that maybe our singer said something, but long enough that it's like the only thing I, you know, it's like (laughs) way in my memory, way in my memory. I love that. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to chat to me. My pleasure. Um, And, you know, I'm looking forward to spending another few hours talking about Stella. Oh my God. We really aren't, are not going to (laughs) stop. And Courtney, to be fair, I mean, Courtney, I, I feel like that? we haven't even talked about how great no. Courtney is. She, she's the one who got us together. That's right. Thank you, Court. Thank you, Courtney. We love you. We, love you. we meant all those same things about you too. Yeah, every single thing. Yeah, was f- for both of you. That was for both of you. Share, <laughs> share the compliments. <laughs>